Well, hey, hey, my name is Peter, and I want to tell you an unbelievable story. Before we jump into the story, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. My name was actually Simon. It was later changed to Peter. I live with my wife in a little town near the water, and I was a professional fisherman where we had a family business. I fished for a living and just kind of did my own thing. I loved life, but I uh, was just kind of myself. My personality was kind of more of a, an outgoing, extroverted, loud, uh, bold, just very uh, spoke what was on my mind very often. And uh, man, I just kind of did, did my own thing. But years ago, there was a man who kind of stepped on the scene, if you will. He started coming around the area that I lived in and some of the surrounding areas. And, and he claimed to be the son of God. And so I kind of kept doing my own thing, but was just very attentive to what was taking place, listening to some of the things that I was hearing that this guy named Jesus, who was claiming to be the Son of God, was doing. I even saw some of the things with my own eyes. And if I'm honest, he was doing a pretty good job of proving who he claimed to be. One day it was a little bit different. We had fished all night and didn't catch anything. And all of a sudden this Jesus guy comes showing up near my area and it seemed like every time Jesus was around there was also a large crowd that was following him and so Jesus came by and was teaching and kind of speaking to the crowd that had been following him and he kind of looked at me and and things were a little bit different I was just washing my nets and kind of cleaning up but I knew that this moment this day the things that were about to take place were were a little bit different The next thing I know as I'm washing my nets, I look up and and Jesus is literally standing in my boat. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And he obviously knew it was my boat. And he calls me by name and he comes over and he says, hey, I want you to push us out in the water. And so I did what he asked. I got in the boat and pushed off the shore. And we went off a few feet off of the shore. And and Jesus kind of used my boat as like this pulpit, if you will, to where we're in the water and he's standing facing the shore where all the people are and he continues to teach. After he finished teaching, he looked at me and he says, hey, Peter, I want you to push us out a little bit further into the deeper water. And I kind of looked at him because I had a feeling of what he was asking me to do and what was about to take place, but I knew the results that we had, but I did what he asked. And so we went out a little bit deeper and he looked at me and he said, I want you to throw your nets in the water. And I said, Jesus, listen, I I know who you are and I understand that you're the son of God and you're claiming to be that. But I'm a professional fisherman. I fished all night long and we didn't catch anything. And he said, "I, I just want you to trust me. I want you to throw your nets over the side of the boat. And so I said, "Okay, let's do it. And so I throw my net over the side of the boat. And bro, it was crazy. I literally could barely pull my net back into the boat because there were so many fish in it. And once we finally got the net of fish into the boat, the boat almost sank. It was, it was, it was mind-blowing, game-changing. I looked at him, I'm like, what's going on? Like, I know how to fish. I did this all night, but yet you tell me to do something and then the miraculous takes place. And Jesus looked at me and he said, Peter, I want to make you a fisher of man. I don't want you to just fish for fish. I want you to follow me. And again, I had heard about Jesus. I had seen some of the things that Jesus was doing, but this time it was different. It was personal. He came and he met me right where I was and he offered me an invitation to follow him. 
And so I'm here to tell you today that Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. He wants to extend an invitation to you right where you are in life. The same invitation that he gave me to follow him, he wants to offer to you. Things like this don't happen to guys like me. See, I'm a fisherman from a village near the Sea of Galilee. My name is John, by the way. And I had my whole life plan ahead of me. And some of you may be like that, like you got your whole life mapped out. I knew exactly what I was going to do because, you know, where I'm from, I'm a fisherman because my father was a fisherman and his father before him was a fisherman. This is what I do. But all along, I felt this void in my life. I felt like that there was something missing, like there had to be more to life than just fishing. I mean, I had a plan. I was going to take over the business when my dad was gone, me and my brother James, and and I was going to have a wife and I was going to have babies. And I had this plan mapped out, but there was this void. There was this thing that I just could not shake. And you may be feeling some of that right now. And so then one day I hear about this guy named John the Baptist. And you may have heard about John the Baptist. There's a lot of stories about him because John was kind of a a little bit of a crazy guy. Like he lived in caves and he wore a loincloth and and people talked about how he ate locusts and honey and that's all that he lived off of. But I was following John the Baptist. I went after him because I heard a message that he preached where he said that we all needed to repent because the one that God was sending, the one that had been prophesied about, the Messiah was coming and we needed to be ready as a nation. And John was out preaching that we need to repent. And that void all of a sudden started to close in a little bit. And so I followed John. I walked with John for a while. We baptized people together. We preached this message of repentance together. But John kept telling me that he wasn't the guy, that he wasn't the one that came to deliver us. He kept saying there was going to be one coming after him and we needed to be ready for that. John even went as far one day to say that that he wasn't even worthy to tie the sandal strap of the one that was coming, that the one that was coming was going to be so much higher than him that we couldn't even imagine what we were walking into. And then one day, As John and I were out walking with some of our friends and we're talking, we see this man and John points to this man and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. Could this be the one? This Lamb of God, could this be the one that was prophesied about? So me and a friend of mine, we ran after him and we spent the rest of the day with him. We ate dinner with him. We talked with him. We listened to him. And by the next morning, my heart was ripped open. See, now I'm wrestling with Could this really be the one? I had been walking with John and he said I needed to repent. This void in my life still kind of felt like it was there. I didn't really know what to do, so I went back to what I knew best. I got back on the boat with my brother and my father and we started fishing. And then one day, Jesus showed up and he said, follow me. And I had a choice to make. Was I going to follow him? Was I going to pursue him? Was I going to go after him? And you may be faced with that same choice today. You have this void in your life and Jesus has shown up right where you are and he's telling you to follow him and you have a choice to make. And you may be asking the same question I was. Could this be the one? Could this be the son of God, the one who clothed himself in flesh and dwelt among us? Could this be the one? And so we started following him. And it was the craziest, game-changing, life-changing, unbelievable experience of my life to follow Jesus, 
to see the things that were taking place. We experienced things that I can't even begin to comprehend or try to explain to you. Miraculous things that I knew where he was claiming his deity, claiming to be the son of God. I knew that he was proving himself to be true because of the things that we were experiencing. And on top of that, as we're experiencing these things, I get to witness a man, the most compassionate, loving, grace-filled, forgiving man that I had ever encountered in my entire life. But the story doesn't stop there. It gets even more unbelievable. Like I said earlier, every time Jesus went somewhere, there seemed to be a crowd. And one day he looked at us and he wanted to take us to a place to speak to us alone, to kind of teach us and lead us and kind of have some time together. But every time things like that took place, it seemed like someone was always there listening, trying to figure out where Jesus was going next. And so when we got to the place where Jesus was taking us, there was a large crowd already there. And when I say large crowd, I mean thousands of people were already there. They were trying to figure out who this Jesus guy was. And so as we get there, we're looking around and Jesus simply says, we're going to feed all these people. And I remember looking at Jesus like, we're going to do what? Like, how are we going to feed all these people? Let us go into town and get some food. And he said, no, 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 you're going to feed them. And in that moment, we found a little boy with, with two fish and five loaves of bread. And we fed all of these people. It was absolutely unbelievable. But that's not the story that I want to tell you. After this took place, Jesus told us to get in the boat. He wanted us to cross the lake and he told us he was going to send everybody home. And then he was going to spend some time in prayer. And so we did just that. We got in the boat and we took off and some time passed. And all of a sudden a storm came up out of nowhere, which happened pretty regularly. We were used to fighting storms. We were fishermen. We stayed on the water. But there was something different about this storm. This storm was a little bit bigger. The winds were stronger. The waves were higher. And we had our eyes fixed on this storm. We were doing everything that we could to keep our boat from flipping over. And through the midst of chaos, through the midst of this storm, we look over to the side and we see this figure walking across the water. And I look at my fellow fishermen and my friends and I ask and and they're asking, we're all asking each other, like, is this a ghost? And we hear a familiar voice, a voice that says, I am with you. Do not be afraid. And when I heard that voice, I recognized that voice and I knew that voice was Jesus. And so I'm not just going to sit here and wonder what's going to take place. I'm ready to be in, in the game. Like I'm ready to be part of it. And so I said, Lord, if that's you, call me out of this boat to you. And my friends looked at me like I was an absolute idiot, but I didn't care because my eyes and and my mind and my attention and my heart and everything that I had was set on Jesus. It was focused on him who was literally walking on the water towards me. And so he did what I asked him to do. He called out. He said, Peter, come walk to me. And I remember throwing my leg over the side of the boat and getting ready to step out of the boat in the middle of the storm. And my friends are like, you are crazy. But I didn't care. I stepped out. And I kept my focus on Jesus and I took a step and I took another step and I took another step. It was unbelievable. I was literally walking on water, my eyes fixed on Jesus. I couldn't see anything else but him and the unbelievable was taking place. 
But then a moment took place to where a wave caught my attention out of the corner of my eye and I fixed my eyes on the wave instead of Jesus and I began to sink. And thank God that Jesus reached out and he saved me in that moment. But I'm here to tell you, it was one of the most crazy, life-changing experiences that that I ever had. It was literally unbelievable. And you want to know why? Because I took a chance to step out of the boat. Because I fixed my eyes on Jesus and everything that I had was focused on him. And I want to remind you today that God wants to do something unbelievable in your life. But sometimes it takes stepping out of the comfort of the boat and into the uncomfortable of the storm. Stop staying in a boat. Stop worrying about what people are going to say to you. Stop worrying about what your friends think. Step out of the boat. Fix your eyes on Jesus and watch the unbelievable take place. For three and a half years, we walked with him. We ministered with him. We got to watch him as he preached and as he taught people. We saw miracles take place. And when people find out that I walk with Jesus, the first thing they always ask me is, what was he like? What was he like? And yeah, I could tell you the stories about the miracles. Peter already told you about how he walked on water, but we saw blind people get their sight back. We saw lame people who had been lame their whole lives stand up and walk. We saw people with withered limbs, their limbs would grow back. And it was amazing. And we saw people who had leprosy and no one else wanted to be around them, but Jesus didn't care. Jesus would go to them and he would heal them. We saw all of this take place. But when people ask me, what was it like to be with Jesus? All I can really think about is his love and his compassion. Jesus cared about people. Even when he was preaching to a crowd of 5,000, he had a way of talking to you and making you feel like you were the only one there. It's like he could see inside you. He knew exactly what you needed. He knew what you needed to hear. And as his friend, being able to walk with him, he did that with me countless times. I remember this one time. We were walking, trying to get to Galilee, but he said, let's go through Samaria. And we thought that he was crazy because Jews and Samaritans don't have any dealings with one another. And as we come to this town named Sychar, he says, go get some supplies. And he walked on to this well. And at this well, he meets this lady. Now, this is a double whammy because Jews don't talk to Samaritans, but men also don't talk to women in that way in this time. But Jesus had a conversation with her. Jesus met her right where she was. This woman had been married five times and Jesus told her that he knew that. And still he spoke to her in a way that spoke love and compassion so much so that she ran and told everybody in her village about him and brought all of them back. And they got a chance to encounter Jesus for themselves, all because Jesus decided to go and meet her right where she was. And he will do the same thing for you. He will meet you right where you are. That woman was still in the midst of her sin, but Jesus went to her and he gave her hope and he gave her a message of deliverance. And he's doing that to you right now through myself and Peter. We're trying to give you hope. We're trying to give you a message of deliverance because Jesus wants to meet you right where you are. And I know for you, this may be hard to understand. There was one time we were with this big crowd and Jesus was talking and he said that he was the bread of life. And he said, if you want to have eternal life, you have to eat of my flesh. And so many people in that crowd went crazy because they said this man is a lunatic. And a lot of them left that day. And then he turned around and he looked at the 12 of us, his close friends, and he said, are you going to go too? And Peter, you've already met Peter. You know how Peter is. He's bold. He gets out there. Peter looked at Jesus and said, where are we going to go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Jesus is the only way. 
And at that time, we were still trying to just kind of figure that out, figure out what it was going to be like to walk with him and be with him. But I will tell you here today that the thing that you should know most about him is his love and his compassion. Yeah, he's able to heal. Yeah, he's able to deliver. He absolutely called Lazarus out of that grave. He brought someone that was dead back to life, but it was all out of his love and his compassion. We walked with Jesus for three and a half years. Every year we celebrated the Passover together as was our custom. We would go to Jerusalem, but that last year I didn't realize was gonna be the last year. As we got into Jerusalem, he said, go find a room, let's prepare supper, it's Passover time. And so some of us went off. We found a room in a house, it was an upper room. We prepared the meal and we sat down at the table. And this year Jesus did something a little bit different. Normally our custom was he would walk us through the meal the way a father would walk his family through the meal because he was our teacher. But this year before the meal started, Jesus stood up. He put a towel over his lap. He began to wash our feet. My Lord, my master, my teacher was washing my feet. This was the same man that John had taught me that John the Baptist had taught me that he wasn't even worthy to tie the lace of his sandal. Now this man is on his knees washing my feet he's washing my feet that experience was one of the most humbling experiences that I had ever had the fact that my my teacher my master had gotten into the position of of the lowly servant a position that was often filled by people who were overlooked and yet Jesus taught us a lesson by placing himself in that position after that was over, we began to transition out and we're having a conversation and Jesus is telling us that his time here was very limited, that he would not be here much longer. And I remember being confused. I remember trying to figure out what was taking place. And so I just asked a question for clarity and I said, Jesus, where are you going? And he looked at me and he said, where I am going, you cannot go. And I just kind of chuckled because I'm hard-headed and stubborn and I'm like, no way. Wherever you go, I'm going. I don't care what it takes. I'm ready to go where you're going and I am willing to die for you, Jesus. And he looked at me and he said something that was absolutely unbelievable and I didn't believe it at the time. And he said to me, Peter, before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times. Then we left the upper room. Jesus liked to go off to pray. He liked to go to gardens or just, you know, out for a walk as he would pray. And so he said, come on, guys, let's go. Let's go for a walk. I want to go to the garden. And as we're walking to the garden, we pass by this man who's a vine dresser and he's tending his vine. And Jesus points to the man and he says, hey, guys, look over there, that vine dresser. That's my father in heaven. And you see the vine that he's tending. That's me. And you see those branches coming off the vine. That's you. And he said, if you want to live, if you want to have eternal life, you need to keep my words in me, but you have to stay connected to me. You got to stay connected to the vine and you have to let the vine dresser prune you a little bit. There's going to be some things that he trims away, some things that he cuts away, but it's to make you more fruitful. And then we continued walking towards the garden and we finally get there. And Jesus tells us, he says, guys, I'm going to wait to my father now. I've got to go away to my father. And I believed at this point that he was the one because of everything that I had seen. I mean, I told you about the miracles and I told you how about his love and his compassion because of all that I had seen. I believed that he was the one. But now he's telling me 
he's going away to his father. And I don't know, is he leaving just for a short trip? Like, is he going to go and visit his father and then just come back to us? I don't really know what's happening. I just know that he said he's going away. And then he tells us that while he's gone and we're going to be in the world and we're going to have trouble, but, but to not be afraid and to have cheer because he had overcome the world. And then as Jesus would often do, he lifted up his eyes and he looked to heaven. And he began to pray for us and he would look to heaven as he would pray for us. It was like he was making eye contact with his father, like he could see him face to face. And then he began to pray. And the first thing that he prayed was, Father, glorify yourself in me. And I thought to myself, Jesus, he's already glorified. And you look at what you're doing. You're leading people. You're preaching the gospel. You're sharing his word with people. You're healing people. You're delivering people. He's already glorified in you. But Jesus kept praying. And then he prayed over the 11 of us that was there, me and Peter and Andrew and Matthew and the rest of us. He prayed over us. And he prayed that we would have unity and that we would love one another. And he believed that if we love one another the way that he loved us, that people would believe in him and know that we're his disciples because of our love for one another. He prayed over us. And then he prayed over you. Yeah, you, the one that's listening to this right now. He prayed over you because he prayed over every single person that would hear about him through us, that people that we would share his message with. He prayed over you, Jesus, before he even knew you. He prayed over you. And so a little time passed and we were still in the garden and I happened to look up and I, and I looked over the hillside and I saw some guards coming off, coming our way in the distance. And, and I knew that trouble was on the horizon as they were getting ready to approach Jesus. I knew that something was about to take place that I wasn't really expecting or wanting to happen. And if you know me, like I've told you before, there was a competitive drive in me to where I wasn't going to back down to anybody. And so I was about to get a little crazy. As these guards come up, they ask, where is the Messiah? Where is this man who's claiming to be the son of God? And Jesus steps up and he says, it is I. Here I am. It is me that you are looking for. And they almost didn't believe him. They kept looking around for other people because they, I guess they, they were just shocked that Jesus stood and so, was so willing to say, here I am, take me. And so they asked the same question multiple times. And each time Jesus stood up and he's like, here I am. And here I am standing in the background watching my teacher and my master submit himself to punishment, submit himself to persecution because we knew trouble was about to take place. My heart started beating fast. My blood pressure started going up and I was furious in the inside to the point to where I just snapped. I couldn't take it anymore. I pulled my sword out and I swung as hard as I could and I chopped the guy's ear off. Unfortunately, I missed what I was aiming for. But I wasn't about to watch my master and my savior go down the way that he did. I wasn't going to watch these guys take him off and beat him. But the craziest thing happened. Jesus so calmly looked at me and he said, Peter, put your sword up. Almost as like, I got this. This is exactly what is supposed to take place. And he healed the man's ear instantly. And I was a little bit taken back. I, I thought that Jesus would kind of be happy and, and proud of me because I stood up for him. But little did I know that he knew way more than I did. So they began to take Jesus off. 
And of course, this is my teacher, my master. I want to stay committed to him. I'm a little bit curious as to what is about to take place. But at the same time, and it's kind of weird because I'm not normally like this, fear started creeping inside of me to where I wanted to see what was happening, but I didn't want to get too close to where I may face persecution that I knew Jesus was going to. And so I took a few steps back and I watched the guards take Jesus off and I kind of followed in a distance. And on the way there, as I'm following Jesus, as I'm watching them take him away, I got asked by three different people on three different occasions. They said, hey, 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 Peter, aren't you a disciple of this guy? Aren't you a follower of this guy? Are you are you a disciple of this man who claims to be the son of God, this teacher, the one who claims to be the Messiah? And again, Unlike my normal character, I'm normally ready to stand up and fight. But each time when they ask me this question, did I know him? Did I follow him? Was I a disciple, a disciple of him? I said, no. I said, no. And, and as I look back, I'm not even fully sure I understood what was taking place when I answered their question. But then in a split second, in a moment... I heard the most heartbreaking sound where I realized exactly what had taken place. That sound, that sound was a rooster. It was a rooster that had crowed. It was the truth that Jesus had spoken to me before the morning comes, three times before the rooster crows, you will deny me. I had denied Jesus. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, I would never do something like that. Can I remind you, there's some of you sitting at the sound of my voice as I'm speaking to you right now who are denying Jesus. It may not be as plain and as bold and as direct as I, but you are denying Jesus and I'm trying to help you. I want to teach you. I want to prevent you from making the same mistake that I did. Yes, you may face persecution. Yes, you may be afraid. Please don't do what I did. Don't deny Jesus. The next time I saw him, I couldn't even recognize him. And I didn't get it because less than a week before now, they were yelling out, the crowds were yelling out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He rode into the town on a donkey. They were laying palm leaves down at his feet. People were worshiping him. And now some of those same people had been yelling out, crucify him. And now I see him and he's crucified. He's hanging on this cross and I don't even recognize him because they beat him so bad that they ripped the flesh off of his body. They made this crown of thorns to mock him and they pressed it into his head so far that the blood was streaming down his face. And I'm looking at my friend and he's hanging on this cross and I can't even recognize him. I can't recognize him. It's my friend, my master my teacher. And in the midst of his pain and his agony, as Jesus was so apt to do, he was worried about everyone else. He didn't even care about himself in that moment. There was a robber who was on a cross near him. And that robber said, Lord, when you enter into your glory, into your kingdom, don't forget me. And Jesus told him today, you're going to be with me in paradise. There were soldiers who had beaten him and they were casting lots for his clothes. They were ripping his garments off of them, off of him. And Jesus looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He was worried about and cared about the very people that were tormenting him. 
And then in a moment, I'll never forget. Jesus looked at me. He looked at his mother who was standing there by me, watching her son hanging on this cross. And he said, woman, behold your son. And son, behold your mother. Because this is who Jesus was. He was love. He was compassion. And in the midst of his torment, he was more concerned about his mother and about me than he was about his own pain. He entrusted her to me. He gave me his responsibility. Because he was her firstborn son, it was his job to watch over her. If she lost her husband, as she got old, it was his responsibility. And he gave that to me as though he he knew I needed a piece of him with me. He gave me that responsibility. And then as though he could hear the cry of my heart, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I thought to myself, yeah, God, why have you forsaken us? You know what we've done these last three and a half years. We've healed people. We've ministered to people. People have been delivered from demons and evil spirits. People have been set free. Why have you forsaken us? I know he's your son. I know he's the one that you sent. I know he's going to be victorious, but surely this can't be the way. I thought he would ride in on a big white horse. I thought he would set us free from our captives. I thought he would deliver us. And then he cried out, it is finished. And in that moment, after I realized what had taken place on the cross, can you just imagine how I felt? Like the fact that some of the last things that I did, the last actions, the last words were actually in line with denying this man named Jesus that I'd submitted my life to. And now here I was not expecting to have another chance. I thought it was all over. I wouldn't get to apologize. I wouldn't get to turn back. I wouldn't get to say that, hey, I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to surrender everything that I have. In that moment, I had my last words and the last things was denied. And maybe that's what you think. Maybe you think that you have denied him too many times. Maybe you think that you have done things that are far too, 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 too far away to be rescued. Maybe you've done things in your past that you wish you wouldn't and you feel like God could never love you or forgive you or or receive you back. And essentially, you're just going to live your life in full denial of this relationship with Jesus. Can I just tell you, don't do what I did. Don't deny him anymore. You have an opportunity to turn back and to accept this relationship from your Savior. Stop denying him and turn to him right now. My friend was gone. All of the hopes and the dreams were gone. Over these three and a half years, I just knew that we were going to reign as kings with him, that we we had this plan where where we were just going to be with him again. This is my friend. He's my best friend. He knows me better than anyone. I love him. And he's gone. And maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus, too. Maybe you feel low like something has happened and now that relationship is gone and you feel like you're not going to have another chance. I know what that feels like because my friend was gone.
it was a long couple of days. You, you've experienced loss before. You know what it feels like. You have these moments of, of joy and happiness where you're reflecting on some of the great memories that you have. And then the very next moment, you're down in the valley, just weeping, crying, mourning, trying to figure out what had taken place, why this had happened. Like, I, I, I couldn't figure it out. Like, I had quit everything. I had, I, had, I had left my family. I left my business. I left all that I knew to follow this man who was claiming to be the Messiah, the Son of God. And now he was gone. And so we were kind of mourning together, all of the disciples who had been following Jesus. We were kind of together trying to just support each other and love on each other. But we were also kind of hiding because the Jews and, 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 and the officials, the, the, the guards and stuff, they, they knew that we followed Jesus and we were afraid that they were going to come after us next. And then one day I looked off into the distance and I saw someone running. It was a female yelling my name, Peter, Peter. And, and, and you know how sometimes you hear a voice and you can hear the tone and you can figure out exactly whether this is about to be a happy, incredible message or whether something has terribly gone wrong. I heard this voice and I couldn't figure it out because it was kind of blended. It, it was this, this, this voice of like excitement that something had taken place, but also this voice of like fear, not sure, not, not sure what was taking place. And in this moment, here comes a woman yelling our names. It was Mary. She came in and she said, they've taken him. They've taken him. And we were like, what are you talking about? Was it bad enough that they beat him, that they crucified him? Was it bad enough that they had treated my friend that way? And now you're telling me that his body's not even in the grave anymore. What are they doing to us? We were scared, but I ran. I have never run so fast in my life. I ran to that tomb. But when I got there, all I could do was look inside. I couldn't dare go in because this is where we had laid my friend. So I just stood there and I looked inside. And I ran as fast as I could. Unfortunately, John outran me. <laughs> But I got there. I was out of breath. I was trying to keep up with him. I wanted to be the first one there. Again, that was my personality. I wanted to win. I wanted to see what was going on. And as I get there, John's kind of peeking in, looking in. And I'm like, get out of the way. I want to go in there. And I walk straight in the grave, in the tomb. And I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm going through the clothes that were folded up there. And I'm trying to figure it out. And I am blown away. I'm filled with fear, trying to figure out, had they stolen his body? Had they taken him somewhere? All I knew is that he was gone. So we went back to the room and we were scared and we were trying to figure out what was happening. We didn't really know what to think about everything. What could they have done with his body? There was a lot of doubt in that room. And then all of a sudden he appeared. He appeared. Yeah, and as we see them, like he's literally standing in front of us, like like our minds are blown. We're trying to figure out, like, are we delusional? Has this been really harder days than we've expected? Have we not had sleep? Like, what is taking place? And then one of our friends, his name was Thomas. And he kind of had this tendency to always doubt things. Like he seemed to have this like negative spirit and he never believed anything until you saw it. And so Jesus is literally standing in front of us and Thomas is saying, it's not you. If it's you, let me see your scars. 
And Jesus does that. He, he holds out his hand, his nail pierced hands. And Thomas literally sticks his finger in the hole. And in that moment, we're all realizing and understanding it is Jesus. He's not in the tomb. He's standing in front of us alive. And I have to admit, I doubt it too. I wasn't sure. I stared at the holes in his hand and at the holes in his feet. And I couldn't figure out exactly what was happening. But then it hit me. See, I remember back when we were walking with Jesus back before he was crucified. I remember him saying to us one day that no greater love than this has a man and that he would lay down his life for his friends. And that's when it hit me. That's what Jesus had done. He had laid down his life for me. I'm his friend. He loved me and he demonstrated his love so much that he laid down his life for me. And that's the unbelievable story of our rescue that Jesus came and that he died on the cross, that he was buried in the grave and that he rose again three days later. And then he appeared to us so much so that we were able that Thomas was able to put his hands in his wounds. And Jesus was standing there for me, having defeated death, hell and the grave. He rose victoriously because he loved me enough to lay down his life for me and for you. Unbelievable is truly an understatement. And my hope and my prayer for you today is that you understand your need to be rescued. You understand that when Jesus said it is finished, it was far greater than it being over. It was victorious. And that three days later, when the tomb was visited, it was empty. And Jesus reappeared in full flesh with a heartbeat, fully alive so that he could rescue you and I. What a journey that I was able to experience, that I was able to go on. It was filled with ups and downs and I know that you've experienced some of the same things and I know that you didn't actually get to see Jesus physically walking on this earth, but I know because I'm, I'm looking around and I can still see Jesus moving. I can still see Jesus alive all around us. And he wants you to believe that. He wants you to accept that. He wants you to receive that. He wants to rescue you. And so I don't know where you are today. I hope that you believe the story that we just told you because it is unbelievable, but it's real. And Jesus came to rescue you. He came to redeem you. He came to pay a price that you and I could not pay on our own. And maybe you think it's over. Maybe you think that there's no way out. Maybe you think that you have no hope, that you have no peace, that you have no purpose, that you have no value. I'm here to tell you on this Easter weekend as we celebrate this resurrection of Jesus that he wants to rescue you. He wants to meet you right where you are. He wants you to be courageous. He wants you to be bold. He wants you to focus on him and step out of the boat. He wants you to understand the price that he paid for you, the love that he is giving you, the call that was paid on Calvary's hill by his blood being shed on a cross. And so I want to personally invite you into a relationship with Jesus, into a relationship with your Savior, 
into a relationship, into eternal life, into a relationship for life change, for full transformation to where you seek and you strive and you do everything you can in life to fill a void in your heart that can only be filled by Jesus. The question is today, will you receive it? Will you accept that invitation as as myself and John and many others have to where Jesus came and he met us right where we are? The fact to even think about the fact that we have a God in heaven who sent Jesus himself, fully God and fully man in flesh to dwell among us, to live with us and pay a price and bridge the gap for our salvation, for our lives, so that we could spend eternity with Him. I want to ask you in this moment to bow your heads, close your eyes, wherever you are, whether you're in your room or what, if you're driving, don't. But just take this moment to truly reflect what has just taken place, to truly reflect on the story that I and John were able to share with you, the experience that we faced and understand that some of those same experiences, although different, you can experience in your life. The fact that Jesus wants to show up in your life and be in a relationship with you. And it's simple. I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not the one who can save you. I'm not the one who can stir in your heart. If you feel led to pray this prayer, know that it is fully and solely because the Holy Spirit is working in your life, drawing him near to himself, drawing you near to himself. And the prayer is simple. You just say something like, dear God, I believe that I am a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. And this Savior is what we just heard about. The one who lived on this life, who was perfect and sinless, went to the cross, went to the grave, and resurrected and is alive at the right hand of our Father. And I, on this day, I choose to surrender my life to Jesus, to begin a relationship with Him, to turn my life in full surrender, to live who God has called me to be in Christ. I confess that I need you. From this day forward, my life will be changed forever. If you just prayed that prayer, we would love to know that. We would love to be able to engage with you. As a matter of fact, you can text the word RISEN to 757-997-1909. We are so excited about this journey that you are embarking on. And maybe... You're already a Christian. You've already began this relationship and you're here today listening with just a fresh reminder of what Christ has done for you. Be reminded. Be reminded of the cost and the price that was paid and rejoice in knowing that we serve a God who is alive. Church, what an incredible day. What what an incredible honor we have to worship and serve our risen Savior. Father, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Thank you that you're alive. Thank you that you paid the price for our sins, a price that we could not pay on our own. Jesus, we thank you for who you are to us. Thank you for meeting us right where we are. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says amen and amen.